My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. I would like to introduce my guest, Austin Phillips, a former Army and Air Force vet, owner and founder of Ardent Fitness and Education, as well as the founder of nonprofit Ardent Lives, based out of Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Thank you for coming on the show, man. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, now, when did you start in the military? So I moved around a lot as a kid. Both of my parents were in the military. Um, and I just kind of, it was always kind of a predetermined destiny for me, right? I was like, I'm just going to join the military. I didn't do well in school. I was, I just wanted to play sports. So, and I didn't really care, to be honest. I just wanted to join. So I ended up out of high school joining the Air Force in 1999. So, Mm -hmm. and then did four years, came home, tried college, uh, drank too much. And then my brother's like, Hey, do you want to go to Iraq with me? And I was like, that sounds like a great time. Where do I sign up? So then I joined my brother's guard unit, uh, in, I want to say it was 2005. And, uh, then we deployed and overseas. I did, I signed up for a, um, six year enlistment because they had a sign on bonus at the time of, I want to say it was like $15,000 tax-free, but if you're overseas and doing it, you got it all in one lump sum. So, you know, at being young and stupid, I was like, yeah, let's do this. 16 grand. Yeah. 16 grand right there. Tax-free. Nothing. Yeah. I'm like for just six more years of my life. Geez. Seems totally reasonable. Um, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) And then, um, uh, came home from that, went back to college for a little bit. Uh, still did not do well. Uh, and then we got deployed again in 09, came back, went back to college, almost finished. And I volunteered for an Afghanistan deployment in 2000. Oh, shoot. It was like about 10 years ago, give or take. So I think. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever. Came home. Uh, and then I was medically separated from the military in 2017 because I was considered unfit for duty due to a fall I took and uh, ripped my shoulder out and I have a bunch of nerve damage and stuff like that. So, Ouch. Yeah. I, I understand nerve damage. Yeah, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Wrong area, but do understand. So where did you go from there after your military service? Well, so... Actually, this is like two conflicting stories in a way in how this all transpired into come into becoming kind of where I'm at now. Uh, so in 2017, I, I got medically separated and there was no I came to the realization at that time, like you, you give so much to something, right? Like it becomes part of your identity. It's essentially your hobby at some point. Mm-hmm. And um and I get kicked out or, you know, separated. And, you know, it was, for me, it was embarrassing. There wasn't like a, a real support system. The guard didn't, there was no real transition period. Um, no, 
you know, what do you do next? I screwed myself out of retirement because I tried to fight uh, the ruling, which then I didn't know this at the time due to the fact that nobody's really telling you about it. But uh, then they just look at just your shoulder. And due to the fact that my shoulder did not meet the, I can't remember, maybe like 50% threshold um, mm-hmm. for the Department of Defense, I wouldn't get medically retired. So me trying to stay in the military in turn screwed me from getting retirement. But it all worked mm-hmm. out in the end. But um, right, yeah, so then I was just kind of in a bad place. Uh, I just had a kid, like my first one. Uh, a lot of stressors. I bought out my business partner. I was in the process of purchasing a building. Like all these things kind of just piled on me. And I just kind of uh, was in limbo for a while and drinking a little too much. And my, my, you know, it was hard. I had a tough time. And my wife mm-hmm. finally like sat me down. She's like, Hey, that's, you know, all this, whatever you're going through right now, like, like I get it, but we have a kid now you need to like get, get your stuff together. Um, I almost swore right there, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I knew what you were going to say. Yeah. <laughs> And it was hard for me, right? Because I've always been um, more like the the helper, not the the needed help guy, right? Um, more yeah. like the guy that would fix a problem, not the guy with a problem. Um, so there's a new like space mm-hmm. for me to to reside, and I was um, so my wife uh, kind of, you know, it was like you need to talk to somebody. And I'm like, talk to somebody. What? But I did. Um, and it was horrible all four times. I went to four Mm -hmm. different people. It didn't work out, but there was one underlying theme that I noticed. And every single one of them said, get a hobby. Right. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. so I'm like, I'm 37 at the time. I'm like, what is, Get, am I going to all of a sudden take up woodworking or being a mechanic, which uh, if you want, if you want to get hurt or something not to work, have me build it. Right. Like I'm like, I'm like, I don't understand what this hobby is. And I didn't really grow up hunting in a way like we did some pheasant hunting when I was a kid, but um, I didn't hunt uh, deer, big game animals, nothing like that. And if you, backtrack about uh 10 years my wife i found out she had some land up north her family did and (laughs) my brother and i were like we should hunt so we bought some guns and we would go up there for rifle deer season in wisconsin uh because her family does not hunt so the cabin was just like open right now in the beginning that type of hunting it wasn't really hunting right we didn't know what we were doing uh Number one, number two is more like uh, that standard Wisconsin deer camp where there's probably a lot more uh, alcohol involved than actual hunting. So, mm-hmm. um, so then when I got kicked out in 2017, though, all of a sudden my whole life blows up, right? And hunting wasn't really a part of my life at this point. And we were at my 
in-laws and I was, it was over Thanksgiving weekend. So I was still hunting. So we were hunting there. And one of my friends from Afghanistan, he and his now wife were at a downtown in La Crosse, Wisconsin at a bar. And I was like, Hey, I'll come on meet you. I haven't seen you in a while. So we're sitting there and his now wife is talking to me about uh, going on an elk hunt out West and all this stuff she did. I'm like, that sounds awesome. And my brother and I are sitting there and we get home. We're like, we should, we should do this out West hunt. I think that it sounds like a great time. No idea what we're doing. Right. I think at this point we mm-hmm. maybe have shot two deer in our lives total between us both. And like, it's one of those where the first time we were gutting a deer, we had to have it on YouTube to gut the deer. Right. So we have no, like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's when I say like, we didn't know what we were doing. We did not know what we were doing. Um, so right. we're like, let's go hunting out West. And our short like search came up with like the, one of the easiest tags to get. Cause we didn't understand like the tag system and the point system in every state's different and all this stuff um, was essentially an Eastern Wyoming antelope hunt in mm-hmm. uh, in like one of the the tougher regions with less public land access, right? So mm-hmm. we were able to we were able to pull tags. We planned a 2019 hunt, and we were able to pull tags in. I want to say it was zone 16 in near Gillette, Wyoming, and uh, no idea what we were doing. We're just like, we're going to do this. So, and, Mm -hmm. and all this, this like uh, parallel plot line during this time is also me going through all of my, like, you know, quote unquote therapy and, you know, trying to not, be a, a crappy human, right? So, you know, trying not to let yeah, my right. business fail, trying to be a good dad, trying to be a good partner to my wife, trying to, um, you know, still put on that face of somebody that, you know, doesn't need help kind of thing. And yeah, so we're going through all of this planning and I'm starting to kind of put together the pieces at this time. And, uh, I'm actually, I started college again. So another parallel plot line is my, is also my schooling where I finally like in the long run graduated with my bachelor's then I got an MBA, but then the military has this free college. So I'm like, I'm going to go take an anthropology class. And I took one class and that was right around the time I was, that was the same time I was going hunting in Wyoming in October. So it was that semester of 2019. And, uh, so I'm starting to learn about like the human condition and stuff like that. And I'm starting to put two and two together, but still don't really understand what I'm doing at this point. And we go out West and we get to Wyoming and we got a, uh, we got an Airbnb above a bar and we were still under that, like Wisconsin deer hunting idea of hunting, right? Where, you know, you think about scent control and you think about all this other stuff. And we didn't understand like out there, like it's not scent. You just hunt the wind, right? You're, mm-hmm. you hunt the wind. You really don't need to worry about scent. Um, and we were rifle hunting. So it wasn't like up close and personal. We didn't get into bull hunting at this point yet. And yeah. uh, then I remember sitting there and we're sitting on this ridge line and we're glassing. 
and we don't even know what we're doing. We're just like looking and uh, I'm sitting there. And I like look around and it's 60 degrees and there's a light wind, but it's sunny. Right. And, you know, I'm sitting there with my brother and we're drinking coffee out of uh, one of those um, like jet boils, you know, and mm-hmm. we're just sitting there and I'm like, and then I'll just kind of dawn on me. I'm like, this is it. I, I think I found a hobby. Like <laughs> this is rad. Like this is absolutely fantastic. And, uh, we actually ended up, uh, harvesting an antelope just out of pure dumb luck. <laughs> and, um, and it That's was awesome. It always works. Yeah. And, uh, so then I came home and ardent lives still wasn't an idea yet. Uh, I had had some time to get there still, but I yeah. did find a hobby. All right. Mine's smoking. <laughs> Barbecue. That's fair. That's Barbecue. my brother's hobby. Yeah. My, I mean, they say once you turn like 30 or 35, you have to either pick World War II or smoking meat as a hobby. So I picked um, both. <laughs> that's totally fair too. I'm uh, no shame. Yep. I, uh, no shame. I was actually a history buff. I loved, I loved history, civil war, all that. And then I got into meat smoking. So, <laughs> I mean, my brother is super into smoking meat now. One of my best friends as well. So, which is great because we, uh, this year we, we did all our own butchering and, everything for the first time and uh made a bunch of like brats and and bacon and stuff so it worked out really well nice yeah i'm gonna i just got a bunny the other day was hunting squirrels missed a squirrel then a bunny bounded about 10 feet away stopped wrong move (laughs) on his part (laughs) so didn't do the skit that was my first wild bunny i've uh harvested so i was doing the step on head skin skinning technique and yep let's just say uh i only collected the front arms out of that front portion of his body <laughs> and still got the other half but that's totally fair all right but the good news is they skin a lot easier than squirrels nice i have yet to take up small game hunting but i am fairly certain i probably will at some point well, you go hunting, I'll go with you. I got a 22 for <laughs> no scope shooting. I mean, it's a straight iron sight sight. Nice. I don't think I'll ever I don't think I'll ever put a scope on that that 22. I mean, I was, you get the you get the same distance, but also at the same time, you know you're going to be able to hit if you hit right. Oh yeah. And I try to do that with my uh, I have a Henry 3030 that I try to do that with and it has yeah. these weird sights i can't remember what they're called like they're their iron sights are they're not the standard at least the iron sights i'm used to and i just could not yeah figure them out like i just couldn't do it i, I tried and it. tried so i i tossed a scope on her but um i love that gun especially mm-hmm. for wisconsin rifle like sitting in a tree yeah she, like where i hunt there's nothing over 100 yards so yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I just got a new muzzle loader this year. 
So that's my good fun thing. Nice idea. Uh, some out of Walmart, but I get to use it and get a new scope on it. Sometime it has a scope, but yeah, I'd rather have something. No, get it anyways. <clears throat> yeah, <sighs> I am jealous of the Henry thirty thirty. I that, that was my lever action is my favorite. That was my uh. Uh, 20, it had to be because the first couple years, my brother and I started like quote unquote deer hunting. Um, my brother had a rifle and I always, I had some buddies. I would just borrow theirs. So I'm pretty sure I bought that rifle probably about 2017 when I got, um, kicked out of the military. I remember going to Gander Mountain. Yep. And I remember thinking like, I'm going to, I'm deer hunting this year. I want to have my own rifle. And Lever action seems like, you know, your standard Midwest, Western, like, you should probably have one. Most cowboys do, right? Yeah. Nope. Yeah, I didn't have one, and, and I'm Midwestern, too. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I can't wait to uh, give it to my son uh, for his first, yeah. like, deer rifle. Like, that's that's my plan. Oof. Have much of a kick to it? Uh, you know, it's not too bad. Um, yeah. But I'm also not a real good judge of that either. Except Neither my brother's. I. Yeah. I mean, except my uh, my brother's 4570. That's a lever action. That thing kicks like a mule. So, Oof. couple couple shots out of that, and you're good. You're just like, yeah. That reminds me I'm of good. my 12 gauge, my Benelli. Yeah, reminds me of my Benelli twelve, uh, Benelli Supernova twelve gauge with three inch shells in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I had a uh, three inch Magnum shells, and I was target shooting them. And dear good God, I don't put that in my <laughs> shoulder. I put it in my freaking chest for bracing because that's a buddy of mine. He showed, was telling me put it in your shoulder, mu your muscle of your chest versus your shoulder. Yeah, so you don't tear your shoulder off, and boom. Ow. Let's do it again. <laughs> oh man. Oh although I recently went uh, when I was uh went shooting target shooting with my twenty two and I learned I was really accurate sixteen yards out, but my buddy, who actually is former military too, so one of the guys that I know, he brought his nine mil with us. And so I'm seven yards away from that target and I'm aiming perfectly. I'm holding proper breathing, pulling the trigger, thinking I'm hitting directly on target. It comes in and I stormtroopered the crap out of that thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a letdown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I man. Like, I got a ways to go. <laughs> It's a it's a never ending skill to build on. No kidding. Always get especially, better. Yeah, especially since I haven't been practicing much with guns. I usually use archery equipment. Well, mainly okay. a crossbow for my hunting. Yeah. So no kick. Nope, not yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So. so yeah. So. Yeah, we're going. We went on a large tangent, but yeah, I we did. No, 
No regrets. Where right. were we? So I believe we were at the point where you were at your crossroads with your college education. You were starting up your business. You're going to start up Ardent Lies because you had just found out while you're glassing with your brother. And well, one other thing. Well, I found my hobby. I didn't know about Ardent Lives yet. So, um, ah. so fast forward, like, uh, obviously, you know, you have 2020, you have COVID, all that bullshit. And, or sorry, I swore. I, I was doing my best. You're fine. I was doing my best. You're fine. Um, <laughs> so, so, but hunting was something that you could still do. Right. So my brother and I, we took up this hobby. Um, then the next year, the 2020 season, we learned the, uh, the great unfortunate thing about the point system and, mm -hmm. uh, how that works. And so we did not draw in 2020 because obviously also there were a lot more people like, Hey, I'm just going to go hunting. Like everything shut down anyway. Uh, or, you know, this is like right. social distancing the best way. And, uh, so we didn't draw right. in 2020, but we did bow hunt or we got into, uh, hunting deer more in Wisconsin, luckily, because, uh, I have a buddy Ryan who really kind of showed us public land hunting and stuff like that. Right. Because again, we yeah. didn't grow up hunting. So we had zero understanding that there's like, I live in Oshkosh and there's like thousands of acres of public land within 20 minutes of me. And I had no idea. I didn't know that I could right. just go somewhere and hunt, you know, and then you start learning about, uh, you know, you get like a hanger stand and you're like, Oh, I can like walk in and put a stand up. Um, so we get more into deer hunting during that time. And we start getting into archery. Our first like onset of that was, getting crossbows right and because mm -hmm. like i got a, a raven r20 the thing's attack driver like it's essentially yeah. a muzzle loader you know and uh sure. so a then we start <laughs> yeah and then we start getting like start reading more about it and getting more into uh kind of the art of hunting and mapping of animals and uh all this stuff that i was like a lot of this stuff kind of translates from what I did in the military, right? When you talk about just yeah. uh, like planning a mission or, you know, looking at maps or, you know, developing a strategy for doing something like all of this, you know, land navigation, all of it's stuff that I utilize in the military that, you know, shooting skills, is a big one. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, so we start to develop this idea and I'm sitting there and 2020 happens. And then, uh, the next, I want to say during that time to, uh, the fifth person I knew from, uh, one of my units committed suicide. So, Oh man. You know, I was like, something, something's not fully right here. And this is where I also start to like develop the idea of anthropology into the whole mix of things. And I started talking mm -hmm. to my professor, Dr. Dr. Nichols at the time. And I'm like, Hey, I'm like, I think there's a lot of connections with this, 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 and this. And she's like, yeah, 
there are, except I was doing just like a regular like bachelor's degree at the time. And she's like, but that's something like Mm -hmm. that's explored at a much higher level. So um, I already had a master's degree. So I was able to get into a different master's program for anthropology uh, without having to like get a bachelor's degree in it. So I just had to take a few extra classes. So I start doing that. And then um, I start getting this idea about a not-for-profit, you know, and uh, ardent lives kind of in my head got born and then I just wasn't sure how to do it. Mm -hmm. So I start like, I had another idea for not for profit. So I already had the paperwork in front of me. Um, so I called my lawyer and I was like, Hey, I want to make another, I want to make a not for profit with this instead. Can I, he's like, yep, just fill out that paperwork. Give it to me. I'll like get all the, get all the back end stuff done for you. I'm like, cool. Um, so then I came up with the idea or, you know, ardent lives, right? Like, we're going to help veterans in a way mm-hmm. that's not really being done yet. And what I mean by that is there's all of these big not-for-profits out there and even there's hunting ones and they're great. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but they're, they're targeting uh, veterans that already hunt. Right. And there's no, yeah. there's no not-for-profit. I mean, there might be, but none that I know of personally that's helping veterans all the way through transition. So the idea of ardent lives then was, Mm -hmm. okay, we're going to take a veteran and we're going to use a holistic like view to help them through their transition out of the military. And in the end, in the very end, the great thing that they're going to get out of this is a new hobby. And that hobby is going to be like hunting and outdoors, right? Sounds perfect. Sounds Mm -hmm. great everybody's going to give me money. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. Nobody gives you money by the way. Um, right. <laughs> and so the big, the big thing of it though, it's going to, the idea behind it though, it's going to be on a micro scale, not on this huge macro scale. So we're going to take, you know, like one veteran and we are going to work with him from summer through like January 31st, essentially focusing on, you know, health and wellness, because mm-hmm. the more healthy you are, the easier it is to hunt. Uh, but also yeah. that's a big issue with a lot of people. It's just like, especially when they get out of the military, like they have no reason yeah. to stay in shape anymore. So they kind of like, will uh, roll down a hill well, with that. But, um, so health and wellness, nutrition, all that stuff. I mean, I own a gym. That's that part's easy, right? Like, Come to my gym. Mm-hmm. Like I'll comp your membership. I'll, we'll get you fit. That part's the easy part. Cool. Um, but also on top of that, helping them learn to navigate the like veterans affairs, right? That institution is set up to deter veterans from seeking the help they need, period. And it's set up yeah. that way. I don't think it's set up that way on purpose. I think it's set up that way because there's so much bureaucracy and Mm -hmm. so, so many things and levels of red tape to get help that that veterans just like F this. I'm not doing it. Um, Yeah. So. So another thing about the not for profit is we would work with local um, 
county veteran service officers and help these veterans like make sure they're getting all the benefits that that they have access to, but also yeah. help them learn how to navigate that system to seek help in the future as well. Because yeah, it's a lot. So yeah, so that was another part to it. Um, and then the final part was the hunting part, right? So it's, it's easy to be like, Hey, you already know how to shoot a gun, right? You have, you have basic firearm skills. You probably learned land navigation at some point of your military career. If you weren't a, um, if you weren't like infantry or a scout or something like that, maybe, you know, you didn't really use it as much anymore but it's still something that you have some experience with and then the goal was to like give them teach them how to hunt how to use like onyx how to find public land what to look for um you know where to hunt Mm -hmm. what like what train features to hunt off of um focusing on the wind (sighs) things like that all this stuff that because they're not hunters they've probably never been taught like i was never taught and um yeah then and while doing that then we're going to completely outfit them with everything they need to include you know the firearm uh archery if they want to do bow or if they want to do uh crossbow or whatever um all the camouflage they're going to need the gear they're going to need to take this hobby that they've now learned and be able to, mm-hmm. to continue the hobby, right? Which I don't see a lot of the organizations doing that. And then um, on top of that, then like the, the last big piece or like the big culminating piece, which I thought would be the best or the most fun was, you know, they, they end with an like out West hunt, you know, whether that's, you know, a Montana elk hunt or a, um, you know, something in Wyoming, but, mm-hmm. uh, the idea though is it'd be like a do it yourself hunt. Right. So huh. they have all the gear, right. And then we, we plan and we go out, we scout and then we hunt and we sleep out there and we make it, you know, this, we don't get a guide, right. Cause mm-hmm. the whole goal is to teach them how to do this themselves. Uh, yep. and then once they leave the program, they leave with all the gear that they've accumulated, a base of knowledge to continue this new hobby that they found. And mm-hmm. um, hopefully, ideally a passion for the outdoors, but also like a feeling of transition and out of that like liminal space that happens when you leave the military and you're like, I don't know what yeah. the F I'm doing with my life. So that's kind of yeah. the big overarching picture of it. Yeah. And I'm just going to say this for my uh, listeners. The reason why uh, he said, sorry about my cussing is I try to keep this podcast. If anybody knows, I try to keep the podcast clean, but occasional slip ups do happen, but don't worry about it. Like I said, things happen. And (laughs) so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know if anybody actually knew that. Or listen, I never actually said that much. But if you have any complaints or anything, tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> the Adaptive Outdoorsman 
at gmail.com. Just send all that stuff. Also, if you know anybody. Oh, man. And it, Whoop. My three-year-old just fell off a chair. Oh. <laughs> She's good. Yep. I've got an eight-year-old tornado. I know the feeling. Yeah, I have a, a five and well, she's almost three, but I'll just call her three. She's uh if there was one out of my two kids that I that I would pick that would be like be like, you know what, I really want to hunt, it would be her. Nice. Hundred percent. So yeah. So yeah, so I've, that was oh, go ahead, sorry. Uh, yeah, I was uh taking my boy out squirrel hunting and just recently rabbit hunting. Well, the rabbit was impromptu because we were out on my family's land and we were hunting and we missed a squirrel. Then we started looking for another one and a bunny bounded near and I have my small game license. So yeah. bye-bye bunny. He is now officially becoming food. So, Perfect. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta love that, right? Yep. All right. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah. Gotta love kid duty whilst talking, right? <laughs> yep. She was doing great up until like two minutes ago, but she'll be all right. She's yeah. good. So, yeah, so you were back to Arden. Yep. So where, what, uh, I mean, so this idea during this time, uh, then I started developing it. Then a sixth person I knew from one of my units, uh, committed suicide and that, you know, that was, that was hard too, just because, um, he was probably the closest out of any of them that I knew that, mm-hmm. that it happened with, but, uh, also, uh, he lived, you know, just South of me, not far. And, yeah. uh, social media, I saw like in December, I remember I looked back at this, so he put up some sort of like you know, kind of questionable, you know, posts on social media. And, uh, yeah. So I reached out just like on messengers, like, Hey man, are you good? You know, do you need anything? Because like I said, he's just 25 minutes South of me probably. And he's like, Nope, I'm good. I'm like, okay, cool. And I just like left it at that. Right. Um, and then, like I said, you know, six months later he was dead. So that was, you know, also a, a thing that defining factor. Yeah. It was like something that kind of pushed me forward, but ardent lives also is not about stopping soldier suicide as like a, a main goal. Right. Um, I think that it's not like yeah. the not-for-profit's not like, Hey, we're only going to work with veterans that are have PTSD or veterans that have seen combat or veterans that have done X, Y, Z. It's more like if you're a veteran, we'll work with you. Like regardless of if you stayed 
in the United States for your entire service, or if you went overseas for your service, or if you were, you know, um, if you were a cook in the military, mm-hmm. or if you were infantry, like it's the only defining factor is that you're a veteran and that's it. Um, because I think a big miss by like the VA and a lot of these, these, uh, other organizations is, is not expanding the reach to, to just veterans. Right. Um, yeah. there's veterans that stay here and they suffer trauma in different ways. Um, regardless of what they did in the military, uh, like mm-hmm. part of what I'm researching right now for, uh, anthropology is I'm focusing on musculoskeletal, I can't even speak, musculoskeletal issues in the lower back and knees, hmm. uh, in veterans due to carrying excess load in the frontal plane for long periods of time. Right. So, yeah. so like the biggest claim in uh like veterans affairs from what i've read is like essentially like low back and knee pain right and yeah. you know, there's, there's that saying that uh <laughs> vet bod is the exact same as dad bod except you have back and knee pain as well so <laughs> but um the uh so i started looking into this and uh i started doing some preliminary research some preliminary uh, surveys and stuff like that. And I found, you know, a huge majority of veterans that I've talked to have issues with back and knee pain. Half of them don't even know how to address it with the VA. Like they're like, some of the reasons I heard were, oh, the VA is crappy. I'm not going to go there anyway. Or I tried and no one could help me. Um, Blah, 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 all this stuff. So, so right now my research revolves around, um, back and knee issues due to an, uh, carrying of weight for veterans. But yeah, the hope is that where I see that research kind of leading down the road is leading to more like a quality of life question. Right. And then mm-hmm. also a, how this impacts veterans down the line as they age too, because yeah. All of all of us uh, global war on terror vets, GWAT vets yeah. from like 2001 until like last year. We're I'm 42, man. Like I was. There's gonna be there's veterans right now that were GWAT vets that are you know in their 60s at this point, yeah. 70s. It's crazy. It's such a huge time gap, and we're. Oh, yeah. I I guarantee we're gonna start to see a lot of issues when it comes to back and knee pain and things like that. So, yeah, well, I hope that works out. Yeah. I be mean, able to it come is. up with, yeah, be able to come up with something that could potentially help fix a problem that is very persistent. And like you said, they deal with a lot of that problem with the weight, weight of the pack and everything. Yeah. I mean, in FM, 21-18, I think it is. That's been around since like, well, I think the first version was in like 1967. It's a field manual for the army. And then I think there was another version in 1990 and another version in, uh, 
I think the early 2000s came out. But the biggest thing to talk about is, you know, the weight of, you know, their combat load or whatever, and then the weight to carry. And it's supposed mm-hmm. to be like 48 pounds or something. And I would have to actually look at it to give you the exact number, but it's somewhere around 48. And uh, yeah. I don't think one time in my life when I was carrying stuff or when I was overseas, did did my this weight I was carrying equate to 40 whatever pounds like it was well over that well yeah, over I, so i thought they said the average weight was 98 to 120 yeah it's insane like when you start depending on what your job is but you start just the bare minimum you start putting on a full combat load so what like 210 rounds maybe again this is all like i'm not exact on this but i want to say it was mm-hmm. 210 like seven magazines at least. So that's the bare minimum, right? I didn't know mm-hmm. most guys probably carried more, um, you know, but you throw a couple of grenades in there, you throw a radio in there, you throw water, you throw, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I mean, I always had to have a pouch with some like treats in it because, yeah. you know, get hungry. I need, I might need a Snickers bar or something. Um, <laughs> but right. you add all that together, that does not equal 48 pounds. So, no, I mean, heck you get up to a gallon of water. That's 14 pounds right there. Yep. And I mean the body armor itself, right. When, uh, I had the, the IBA and the IOTV and yeah, those are two different types of body armor, but I want to say the large, which I wore, I think with the, just the front and back plate was like around 35 pounds by itself. I think again, I could be, yeah. I could be a little off. I'm like trying to remember exactly, but I don't have those numbers in front of me. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so what were your idea? When did you start? I know we're going to skip, go back a little bit here. But when did you start the ardent fitness and education? Uh, that was actually 2013. I got back from Afghanistan, uh, finished my bachelor's degree, and I was looking for a real job for maybe like three weeks. <laughs> and I'm hey. like, this sucks. And uh, yeah, at that time, uh, one of my buddies I was in Afghanistan with called me and he's like, hey, do you want to open a gym? And I was like, uh, yeah, I would love to open a gym. But I had a first convinced my wife that we should take the money we were saving for a house and she should let me have it so I could open a CrossFit gym in a town we did not live in. It would be great. (laughs) She eventually said yes. So that was, that was good. And so we opened CrossFit Oshkosh in 2013. Um, and I thought, you know, a business degree and then working on my MBA would, you know, help me. But honestly, like, I think the best teacher in owning a business is just owning a business. The the on the job stuff is what you think you're supposed to do comparatively to what you need to do is insane. And um, so we had a couple years of that. It was going okay. Uh, But, you know, before I opened a business, my uncle and dad gave me like three pieces of advice that I followed none of it. 
Zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and I paid the price. They said they both own businesses and they're like, you know, you need to hire a lawyer right away. Uh, I have an accountant right away mm-hmm. and don't go into business with friends. So I did the exact opposite of all three of those. Went into business with a friend, did my LLC paperwork on, you know, like legal zoom or whatever, like the real cheap. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and then the accounting, I was like, Oh, I took like four accounting classes to get my degree. Like, yeah, I can do this. Uh, the first one to fall apart was the accountant about three months in, I came to the realization, like, mm-hmm. no, no, I cannot do this. And, uh, so I had a mm-hmm. higher fine accountant and they had to fix everything I did wrong. Um, Ooh, and then that was pricey. Yep. Then the next one to fall apart was the lawyer. Uh, we were redoing kind of our business agreements and stuff. And he went in and looked at it. He's like, Oh my God. He's like, all right, I got to fix all this for you guys. So that one was pricey Ooh. as well. I didn't know lawyers could charge by the email. Like I went to the wrong business, man. Um, no kidding. And then, uh, the last one was going to business with a friend. We, uh, we had a falling out and, um, I ended up buying him out of the business and we weren't friends for quite a few years after that. And uh, I want to say maybe like a year and a half ago, like, uh, we just like got coffee and, you know, talked about how we were both really stupid <laughs> when we were younger and, uh, yeah. you know, became friends again. So that was, that was awesome. But so, yeah. And then in 2020 or I bought a building in 2017, we moved down there. Um, and then 2020 happened obviously, and we shut down and I started really yeah. questioning my, uh, my want to still be in the health and wellness like field. Right. And, yeah. uh, but luckily I have, awesome, awesome coaches and, and great members. And we were able to like stick around and it was rough, but we dropped yeah. the cross, we dropped CrossFit in 2020. And now we're just, uh, art and fitness and education. And nice. we dropped CrossFit because they were an affiliation and there was a whole bunch of stuff going on with the CEO at the time. And we had already one foot out the door. We had our, you know, we were art and fitness and education home of CrossFit Oshkosh. So that was a real yeah. easy, real easy. And, you know, factor easy to change. Yep. So we didn't have to really change any signage or anything like that, which was nice. And then, uh, then we just kind of kept plugging along. And, and then during that time I started ardent lives and <laughs> the biggest, uh, the biggest donator to Ardent Lives is Ardent Fitness. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> right? Well, I can't, I can't imagine. Well, um, we, I thought, and this is just me being naive, and I should have known better because I think I thought this yeah. when I started a business too, right? If you build it, they will come kind of thing, like feel the dream stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, I, this great idea. We're going to like legitimately truly help vet- veterans. Like it might be a small group, but like, we're going to change their lives. Right. I'm right. like, this is going to be perfect. And you know, we're in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. What else is in Oshkosh, Wisconsin? 
Oshkosh Corporation, Oshkosh Defense, the company that makes billions off of the industrial war complex that is America, right? So I'm thinking right. there is zero way that these guys will not donate like $5,000 or $10,000, right? That's a, that's nothing to them. And right. so I contacted them thinking this is like, this is going to get us up and running. I'm going to be able to help my first veteran. Cause I like in my head, the math works out to about 10 to $12,000 a veteran to help like over the yeah. course of the year. And, yep. uh, you know, with all the gear and, you know, if you get them, a rifle and a crossbow, like 10 to 12,000. That's at least in my head. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, you know, this big company is like, well, you don't have impact statements. You don't have nine nineties. I'm like, no, I'm like, I literally just started. I have an EIN and insurance and a website, but like, I need funding to like, you know, make a difference. Um, right. Yeah, they said no. So, <laughs> which I get like, and they, they companies want to know how big your social media following is, right? Which is like one of the biggest things that just irks me. Irks and number one, because yep. I suck at social media. Like, I actually stopped doing Art at Live's Instagram like a year ago because I was just effing tired of it. I hate it. Um, yeah. I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to find, I got some ideas. I'm going to find somebody to help me with it. Uh, yeah. So, so anyway, like I started just funding it by myself and then I'm a part of this, uh, morning breakfast group for business owners in town. And I had to do like this 10 minute spiel and I'm up there and I was talking about my gym, but then it kind of just transformed to me talking about art and lives. And, uh, one of the members of yeah. the group, Nick, uh, Banky from Banky financial in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Like, he's like, Hey, He's like, I want to make a monthly donation for like until whenever he's like, I just want to keep donating every month. And I'm like, cool, man. Thinking like he's be like 50 nice. bucks a month or something like that. No, 500 bucks a month. I was like, Oof. holy shit. So, I mean, holy cow. Yeah. Right. So, um, I was like, that's, that's amazing. Like, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm just like from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. Um, and so then now, like I'm working with one veteran and, uh, right now not really spending any money because, uh, he has to get fit before you can like, before we can move on to the next part. Right. So, so his memberships yeah. comped at the gym. Um, and, uh, right now we're just kind of saving money. So that when that happens, like we're going to have the funding already available to be like, okay, next step, we need to get him some hunting clothes, right? Or like whatever, uh, we need to get him yeah. a rifle. We need to get him X. We need to get him Y. Like we're going to be able to do all of that in the next step because of the funding that we've now, at least that, that we've secured and nice. hopefully like, um, we have a couple other ideas for some fundraisers. Uh, the Oshkosh newspaper did an article about me, which they put on the front page, which I did not know was going to happen. It kind of caught me off guard. Um, when right. one of my coaches screenshotted it and sent it to me, I'm like, what is that? But it was, um, they did a great job uh, of telling a story. And that got me um, 
some people to reach out that want to be involved and help on, you know, like a volunteer level, which I didn't have before, which I was pretty much just trying to do everything myself. Um, So we're actually having like our first meeting this coming weekend um, to kind of figure out, you know, what to do and how people can help and, and what we can do. So, because I wish I like in a perfect world, I'd be able to devote, you know, all my time to the not-for-profit, right? Cause that's like, like your emotional, right. your, what you're vested in. It's like your baby. Yeah. It, you know, it has, it takes, I love working with veterans because I love the community. Um, mm-hmm. when I, when I go to events and not these fake events, but like one of my buddies got married recently, the same, the same guy that his now wife convinced me to go out West hunting. That actually is the whole, one of the whole reasons this thing started their wedding was right. like a couple months ago. Um, and I went down there with my wife and we drove back that night and I just, you know, my cup just felt full that night. Right. Like sitting with veterans I haven't seen in, in quite some time, uh, just telling stories, talking, uh, not like a, a weird event, you know, where like, like a paid event or something like that. It was just like, it was great. So you know, working with veterans and then also on top of that, adding my, my I guess, new hobby of hunting on top of that, like that's, yeah. that's kind of stuff dreams are made of, man. Like if I could figure a way out to do this all the time, that's what I would do. But unfortunately oh, yeah. not there yet. <laughs> well, everything takes time. Buddy of mine, uh, Ryan Bodwin, uh, oh, I talked Buddha? to him on the occasion. Oh uh, yeah. I know Buddha. Ryan Ryan off the grid. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was talking to him recently, telling him updates on my stuff, and he's like, just keep grinding, man. Just keep grinding. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's actually funny we talk about Buddha because I was at a turkey hunt last year for veterans. And yeah. Ryan comes walking in and he said his name was Buddha. I've never met him before, right? But I had this like I was like, I had this memory of my sister talking about a friend she had named Buddha. And then my sister's husband's a Marine too. Right. So Mm -hmm. I was like, how many freaking guys named Buddha that are Marines can there be? Right. Like there can't be many. And I'm like, Hey, I'm like, (laughs) do you know, do you know, uh, I said my sister and her husband's name. She's like, he's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm her brother. It was just like a weird, weird, uh, uh, crazy connection. So we took a picture nice. and sent it, sent it to my sister. And my sister's like, what the F are you doing with, with Ryan? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I was at this event. He's here. So nice. no, stellar dude. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a cool story to tell him too. <laughs> hey, I know a guy such and such. Yeah. Yep. No, it's uh, it's funny, man. And then actually I got together with him because of everything he does uh, just to get some advice about not-for-profits and stuff, you know, and uh, especially oh, veteran yeah. ones. And uh, it was, it was good advice. And, you know, I got to eat chicken wings. So that's always a bonus too. So but, I just made chicken wings. Nice. There was a great place in Appleton and Appleton, Wisconsin, and they uh, they shut down recently. And they said it they said it might not be 
for like long, but it feels like it's like they're shut down. So yeah, right. So that was unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. these were smoked, homemade. I did them for the football games yesterday. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's interesting when you know you meet people that they know the person that you've already met, and it just adds to the level of it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. That uh, that is, it's crazy. Well, I mean, it's really a small world too, right? Like, yeah, people. Yeah, there's eight billion people in the world, but when you think about when you break down the small communities we live in, whether you know that's the hunting community or like the military mm-hmm. veteran community or something like that, the communities get a lot smaller at that point instead of that huge macro like eight billion people in the world. So, oh yeah, and it seems like the hunting yeah. community is pretty. The hunting community right reminds me a lot of the military community, to be honest. Yeah, um, it's interesting. It's really interesting. I'm like someday I hope I can have some time to like really really research it a little bit uh, and and study it more. Yeah. So, well, I understand that. So where do you see ardent lives within the next five years? And don't worry. I always ask this question. Yep. Next five years. Um, I see ardent lives as long as I don't screw up, uh, being able to help, you know, multiple veterans over the course of a year, possibly having, uh, multiple, like, areas to be in like Wisconsin and maybe one in Iowa, something like that. Uh, I still never, yeah, maybe I still never want it to be a like huge national, like not for profit. Right. My, my intent and my goal is for this to be a purely volunteer, not for profit. So, you know, like when you look at uh nine ninety forms that not for profits have to fill out and you you in that form, you see like, uh, I'm not going to name drop some of these not-for-profits just, you know, to not be a total jerk, but there's some major yeah. like veteran-based not-for-profits where you look at their, their CEOs making $1.2 million a year, right? And they have three assistants that are, you know, making $300,000 a year. Like you look at these managerial fees and you can start digging into some of their numbers and you're like, wow, they spend more on marketing and managerial fees than actually helping, yeah, than actually helping a veteran. It's insane. Like every single dollar that we, that I've put into the not-for-profit from my gym or that I've, I've picked up in donation has gone to the, the not-for-profit like to help veterans. Like there's no, there's no paychecks being made. There's no managerial fees. There's no, like, there's nothing like that. It's, all the money we need just to help people is the goal. Right. I recently saw a clip of Joe Rogan. They were talking about the Make-A-Wish Foundation and another one that was yeah. like a imitation of it. They said 90 cents out of every dollar goes to the Make-A-Wish Foundation for the kids. The other 10%, 10 cents goes towards the administration BS. Yep. They said they looked up this other one where it was like a Make-A-Wish, you know, 
wannabe essentially. Yep. And only 30 cents went to the kids. Yeah. I mean, you, that's what you got to be really careful when you're donating nowadays. Um, yeah. When people can start a not-for-profit for, uh, like there's all these not-for-profits around veterans, right? Um, yeah. uh, you know, 22 a day, you know, all these, whether they're good or bad, regardless, there's always going to be bad actors. Right. And, but then you put that 501 C three behind it and that gives them like agency as a not-for-profit. So people just think like, Oh, I'm going to give my money to this organization and they're going to use it to do good. And guess what? Right. They, they, they might, they might try to use a little bit, but not, not all of it. A lot of it's just going down a toilet, just being flushed away into, you know, whatever. So, and that's all stuff. Like, I think there's a couple um, programs out there. Like I want to say glass door is one that you can like look yeah. up not for profits and they'll give not for profits, like ratings and things like that. So, um, but yeah, for us, like right now, our lives, it's pretty much been, you know, the money we get, we hang on to until we have something we can spend it on. And it's not even a gym membership, like, cause that's part of it. I comp all that through the gym. So I'm not paying the gym. I wanted yeah. to really make sure not to have any sort of like cloudiness there. Like, Oh, mm -hmm. you're paying your gym to train this veteran. Like that seems kind of shady. Convenient. Yeah. Right. So, right. so no, they're like gym, all that's comped out of the gym. Um, now if we ever started working with people like in other cities, like let's say we had a veteran in Milwaukee we work with, like then, mm -hmm. you know, I'd have to call the gym and set up a membership for that person and you know, everything like that. So then there would be some gym fees in there, but they would not be going to, to, uh, my for-profit gym. So, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, so, so you, <laughs> it's a work, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's um five years though. Like like I said, hopefully we'd have, you know, funding, and uh, I could see having a an actual like event, right? Like whether yeah. that's like I'm just gonna use for the sake of placeholder like a 5K, right? Like something that we can do to, to bring awareness and raise money for that. Um, but also yeah. ho like hopefully in five years, uh, some of this research that I'm doing with, uh, for the veteran community or not for, for, you know, school revolving around like, yeah. uh, veteran issues and transitions and things like that, all this stuff I'm interested in. Hopefully I'm able to integrate some of that stuff into into this and you know ideally be able to make help a couple people yeah well i hope you guys do that's de definitely something i'm rooting for dude because you're a nonprofit, profit your business everything you stand for sounds like it's something that i'd like to get behind too well i mean i would love everybody to be behind it but i have to make a little asterisk <laughs> Like there's always something in it for the person. Right. And my like right. thing that's in it for me is like, 
I get to take people hunting. Like that's awesome. So yeah, there is something in it for me too. I get, I get to be along and, and be involved and, uh, and explore my, my new hobby, explore that more. Like I found, uh, it's called Swan Lake. I found a guide school that takes VA benefits. Like this summer I might be going to guide school. That's freaking awesome. Like I'm 42 and I'll be probably the oldest dude there, but like, I'm not going cause I'm going to be a guide, but I would love to learn that, you know, craft. Nice, and right? you know what, if the VA is going to pay for it with my education benefits, so then, bad. yep, I will go to Montana for a few weeks and, and go to guide school. So that's a, wow. uh, now I'm jealous. Yeah. I was like, look, I that found was the it. guiding thing, but <laughs> yeah, I, well, I found it. And, uh, I was like, oh man, that'd be such a cool school to go to. And I showed my wife, my wife just like laughs at me. She's like, you think I'm going to let you take $5,000 to like <laughs> go to a guide school? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, right. But then I dug deeper and like, oh wait, they take VA ven- benefits. And I'm like, uh, so I emailed them. I got the conversation going and my wife's like, I'm like, if the mill or if the VA pays for it, can I go to this? And she's like, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's awesome because okay. it sounds like it's gonna be it could be really rad, it could be fun. Right. Well, yeah, we'll be able to take people out and maybe even Ryan can go through and do some stuff and he can take pictures of you. Yeah, I think we're a ways away from that yet, but I still gotta get the hey, first I, person out. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you get that first person out. I have faith. Next, this seat, it's 2023 season coming up. I mean, yeah, there's still always turkey and bear, turkey season. You guys got bear up in Wisconsin, don't yep. you? Yeah, we're doing, uh, I got some turkey planned. Um, hopefully, my plan is that veteran hunt that I went on last year. Um, the guy I'm working mm-hmm. with now, I want to get him on it uh, because it actually is the weekend before youth turkey hunt so it's like real early and uh dang they have it's really cool this uh rod and gun club they've been doing it for years and nice they go out and they scout and they set up blinds and everything like that where all the turkeys are roosting and uh (laughs) then they take you out outfit you if you need it and they you hunt for two days um so i want to say there was nine or ten veterans on this one i went on last year (laughs) and I was yeah. one. I was one of two that did not harvest the turkey, <laughs> so I didn't have any shots. Uh, I feel you. I feel but, you on this. But uh, it was awesome, and then uh, it was really like I was like, "Oh wow!" I didn't know anything about turkey hunting before either, right? Like I said, I didn't grow up hunting, so everything I do is like reading books or somebody showing me like after the fact. And so yeah. I had zero experience in turkey hunting. And then right after that weekend, cause I just like paid attention. I wrote down notes at night of like what they did and what people did. And after that weekend, I went right to fleet farm, bought a couple decoys, went online, bought a turkey tag. And, uh, and then I turkey hunted like week four of five in Wisconsin again. Yeah. Didn't get anything, but I knew what I had to do, right? Which is yeah. like step one. Well, 
at least you didn't break your foot like I did on the first time you ever went out turkey hunting. <laughs> How'd you break your foot on your well, first time turkey hunting? Well, the thing about me is I've got with my bad feet, uh, I, the, my feet can't take as much much of a stressor or shock okay. as most. So working for 10 hour days on a, um, working on a, uh, concrete slab and walking up and down stairs doesn't do well for me. So my feet are like spider webbed with, uh, breaks and, you know, reinforcements of white. Okay. And so, I felt like my left foot was starting to hurt real bad. Like I felt like it was hurting where it shouldn't be. And then I went to my HR and told him, Hey, my foot hurts. I think it broke my foot. Well, I had to use vacation time, go to the doctor. They x-rayed it. And it was too small of a hairline fracture for them to notice. Yeah. So then so then I ended up uh, going out, lifting weights. I was in the gym, picking, doing deadlifts. Didn't hurt, so I didn't worry about it. But I went out hunting for turkey that was my opening day, and I had on compression socks. I was doing being nice, and went out there, sat down, got busted by a bird. Seven thirty rolls around. I'm like, okay, it's time to go back. It's starting to get dark. Yep. I've got about an hour of light left. So I walking out, I step over a log with my left foot and it lands perfectly still nothing. I twitch my body to the left a half an inch with the foot staying there. And I break my, uh, left metatarsal. In oh man. So that was year one. I was out year two, came back and didn't get anything. But I didn't break my foot this year, so. Hey, that's that sounds like a win in my book. It like, is a win. I'll take the win. Right, I'm hoping that I this year I, I can get back on that turkey hunt. I don't want to hunt because I I had my opportunity last year, but just like be there yeah. again because I think my brother is going to do it too. My brother is a veteran, so um, and he's like been right by me this whole time through through all this stuff. Yeah. So with ardent lives and stuff like that. So he's been really helpful too. Yeah. Well, do you want to tell anybody uh, how to reach you and ardent lives? Yeah. So, I mean, so ardent lives, the best way to reach me is uh, my email for, for ardent fitness, which is Austin, a U S T I N at ardent, a R D E N T. Oshkosh, O-S-H-K-O-S-H dot com. Um, you could even follow us, I guess, on social media. There's an Instagram account that I haven't posted to in like a year. But hey, I'm going to start. I'm going to find somebody to do that. I, I just hate. <laughs> I can't stand it. I'm actually really considering getting a flip phone again. So um, wow. I think I've. Yeah, I think I figured out how I can do it and still like own a business because every right. everything you know video social media it's a necessary evil at this point but i might right. have a plan 
don't know if I'm ready to commit quite yet to that, but I am considering it. Uh, or, I mean, I have a personal Instagram account, which I don't even know what I do on that thing, but uh, social media or, man, I don't even know. Send me a, a letter. I love letters. Like, <laughs> 102 Merritt Ave, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, 54901. That's uh, right. Art and Fitness. Shoot me a postcard. Um, but yeah, so I don't even know what else to say about that. <laughs> like, I don't like this is technically like my really my first podcast. So I have no idea what I'm supposed to like talk about or <laughs> like. But if you really want to, if you love the outdoors and you know you think veterans are okay some of us are good some of us suck um but i think the big thing about what ardent lives can do for people is hunting's like a dying trade right like when you look at the movement of populations into metropolitan areas like there's no need for people to hunt for subsistence like living anymore right so it's something that's kind of like it's kind of fading in a way. And unless you came from a lineage of people that hunted regularly and taught you how to hunt, there is a high probability you are not going to be a hunter, right? So what Ardent Lives is doing is we're taking people that are not hunters and we're making them hunters and making it a part of their life and something that they're going to be able to pass down to their kids. So in effect, by donating and supporting Ardent Lives, you're actually supporting the longevity of the love and art of hunting. Right. So it's a well, win-win. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for coming on, Austin. It's been a fun, pleasurable time. I mean, we had some great uh, stories told. We had some a very good information about health and fitness from you and I hope to have you on in the future and I hope that your business is going to do well and also your nonprofit goes even better uh, I hope my viewers send some stuff to you give you some donations but remember everyone stay adaptive <laughs> <laughs>